Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. Uh, this is a little bit of a unique episode in the sense that it, it's just Gemini on the episode today. But we decided since it's just the both of us, like let's let's talk about different things. Is something overrated or underrated in front end? And so we'll maybe talk about front end tools, libraries, languages, UX patterns. Just really give our opinions on it's overrated or underrated. And remember, it is just Gem in my opinion. So you may disagree, which is fine. But yeah, Gem, you want to give your introduction? Gem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. Well, Gem and I will take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Limited. Limited. So, you know, limited, limitation, whatever it is, we will uh, take a drink. All right, Jim, let's start off. I'll choose one here. Let's start off with something like tooling. Babel. Overrated or underrated? Uh, I'm going to say just right. Yeah, I was I was kind of going to say we almost need a middle one in there. Yeah, like a I, meh. Or not bad, just like, yeah, middle. I think Babel's super important. So it's like one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, but it also has a lot of praise and love in the community. It's, it's a tool that a lot of people rely on too. Uh, being able to leverage the future of JavaScript and be able to actually ship it in production. So I actually, I'm going to change my answer to probably underrated, mostly because I increasingly more and more companies rely on it, but not enough people are invested into it. Like they don't follow what's going on. They don't uh, donate any money to the to the cause. They all use it, but no one really is. More and more people are not understanding what exactly it does. It's just like... It's magic. It is. Yeah, it is magic. So, yeah. So maybe the, the underrated part underrated, is it's, yeah. it does all these cool things. Okay. That's that's fair. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know how many people are actually contributing back to it. Not it's, enough. We probably all take it for granted. I know for a fact we take it for, yeah. for granted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Overrated, underrated, open source. Ooh, open source. I think sometimes overrated. I'm going to go with that. I think I can go both ways, but I'm going to say why I think it's uh, overrated because I think it's amazing, but I think it's overrated in the sense from people's perspective of feeling like they need to contribute to open source or almost feeling like it's too daunting to, to contribute. And so I think sometimes that can be like overrated in the sense that it's you don't have to do it. Um, if you're passionate about it, you should. Absolutely. It's a great way to learn and grow. But also, I don't like when people feel like scared to do it either. It shouldn't feel like this daunting thing. As an industry, we should be really supporting people from, you know, a junior engineer to like very senior engineer to be able to help contribute to um, open source. I don't know. What do you think? I'm with you. I'm going to say overrated. And this isn't open source. Any particular library is overrated. It's overrated in terms of people assume things about open source. Like, oh, it has a lot of stars on GitHub. So it must be the best out there and reliable because that's more stars than this, which is a poor metric for understanding. Which, I mean, in our last episode, we were talking about like that is on GitHub is like that shouldn't be a metric of success. Exactly. Uh, people assume something is open source, that it's like secure, it's validated. Uh, if I write a new like crypto library, people are going to say like, oh, yeah, it's secure and solid because it has a lot of stars and it's open source because like somebody's checking on it. And I say, oh, who, who looked into it? Somebody. So I think it's overrated in that, like people make assumptions about like how good a library is just because it's open source. Or just because it has some stars. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's fair. All right. That's good. What about something like CSS preprocessors? I'm going to say about middle of the road. Meh. Middle of the road. Meh. Yeah. I'm going to go underrated. 
I feel like maybe we just don't talk about them enough, but I think they were like super powerful in the sense of like back to the day of us writing like our CSS, you know, by hand and just having to do that. It was a lot of work and we were missing that aspect of having something to be like more functional in CSS. And I think CSS preprocessors like Less and SAS really put us that much further. Um, like I, I know we've grown even since that there's even other solutions out there. But yeah, I, I think they're underrated. I, I say, man, I think uh, I want to say the community appreciates what they do. Uh, there's a lot of different variations, but we haven't made any big leaps forward. I would say like things like CSS4 and other things that are adding uh, more functionality CSS are good and they're kind of slowly but surely like taking away some of the uh, the work of the CSS preprocessor. One of my issues with CSS though is like we're making it more complicated. Like CSS4 adds like all these new features and things, but we're inherently like making CSS do things that like maybe it wasn't designed to do. Like maybe is it the best um, is it the best vector to like do these complex calculations or, or should that be offloaded to JavaScript? Back to CSS. I don't know. That's fair, but I also felt that CSS was very limited at times. Cheers. Cheers. Or maybe we're going too far, I guess is what you're saying with it too, is that uh, maybe CSS preprocessors were got us really to a good spot, but now we're almost going too far with it and trying to add too much functionality. I, th- I like the option though, because even thinking of animations, like getting at CSS, is like sometimes there's a place for animations that are done on CSS it might be a better option than then doing it in JavaScript or vice versa. It's good to have the option, but it's also good to know when to use them and when not to. That's true. I, I, I wish, I think it's great that they're they're adding so much functionality CSS in CSS4, but uh, I don't know. Like we have this problem in the web ecosystem, which is there's too many choices. It's not limited enough, which is, cheers. Cheers. Which is good because it's good to have options. On the other hand, it's like, oh, you want to do animations? What should I use? Well, you can use CSS, or you can use you can animate it by hand with JavaScript, or you can use SVGs, or you can use WebGL, or you can use. I'm sure I'm facing like 50 other. And then libraries on top of all those, yeah. Yeah, which it's like, all right, it's it's cool to have flexibility, but I don't think people have spent enough time probably doing like WebGL or something like that, or even SVG animations, which are like pretty intuitive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and pretty powerful too. Yeah. All right. What about some like, let's go into some like JavaScript APIs, arrow functions, the beauty of uh, ES6 brought us arrow functions. Um, so I'm going to say overrated. I say they're overrated because there's this new crop of people that are newer to JavaScript that they just use arrow functions everywhere, which is fine. They don't know the caveats to them and they don't know, um, they don't know why they're using it. They just do it. And they don't understand the difference between that and a regular function. And then, like, why is my scope off? And I saw someone the other day trying to use, like, args in an arrow function, which is, like, one of the things. There's no arguments in an arrow function. Yep. Um, the argument keyword, should I say. And so, like, I think people are applying this stuff heavy-handed without understanding why, which to me is a problem. Well, and actually, to be honest, when I first saw it, maybe I honestly thought it was like, oh, this is how I need to write functions from now on. Your argument argument is a perfect example where you're like, well, you you need to be able to have arguments in a function sometimes, not always. Sometimes, yeah. And and so that might not be the time to use an arrow function. Yeah. All right. Overrated, underrated uh, service workers. Oh, I'm going to go with underrated. So powerful. Like I think there's 
they're underrated in the sense too that they've been around forever. Like honestly, I don't even know when that was introduced. Couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. We're always hearing about them, but it's not like getting the traction that it should. And then that was also due to like browser support, and that always happens. But yeah, that's I, I do think that we need to be thinking about them even more. Uh, so unexpected for me, I'm gonna say overrated. Okay. Uh, one, 2019, people still don't understand why do you service workers. Um, you know, I interview people and they're like, oh, blah, 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 throw a service worker at it. And I'm like, why? Well, you can do offline and all these other things. And I'm like, yeah. And caching and all that. I'm like, you know, you can do caching without a service worker, right? right. Which people are like, what? They, I, I think if I label anything overrated, it's because there's too many people out there that don't understand what it's for. And I'd rather see that like base level understanding and then say like, okay. And the second reason why they're overrated is because no, I don't want to receive any uh, messages from your website. Like how many websites have you been on where it's like, would you like to receive notifications via push, via service worker to your, to my website? It's like, no, I don't want that. They're always the worst websites too. I'm, yes. I'm, I feel like there's there are probably websites out there that I'm like, yeah, maybe they would be useful for it, but they're always like shopping sites. I'm like, no, no, please don't message me when <sighs> you have coupons or 25% off and like, I already get your email. I'm delete it there i don't need another thing <laughs> yeah it's up there with the uh reading an article and then the pop-up comes for subscribe to my newsletter i'm like no subscribe to get push notifications I'm like no it's just like become another obtrusive way of bothering me i can't think of a use case offhand that would be valuable i feel like there are some websites out there that would be useful where i'm like yeah i could use a push notification it wasn't this year it was actually was it 2016 or the elections? So that 2016. Yeah, yeah. See, you know, old old man Jim. Yeah, already. Yeah. Uh, BBC had a really good example of like um, live election coverage, where they would like as people were voting, they would send you push notifications to your phone to show you like which way the vote is going, which is really useful. They came with like this whole image solution for like I won't get into it. Maybe it'll be one of my picks, but they did a really good job with like that's useful live information that you want to keep track of, and you want like push notifications whenever something major happens, but you don't necessarily need them all the time. That's really cool. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's a good use case. I like it. All right. I knew there was something. Let's do a language. Node. Uh, Overrated, underrated? It's about right. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say it's overrated or underrated. See, I'm trying not to say overrated because I feel like that's my bias towards the general web community is things get too much hype when they may not deserve it or not. But I love Node. I think it's yeah. really good. Uh, the other day, I was trying to like reprogram my website, which is written in Python. Uh, I was like trying to do this basic thing, and it's hanging on a response because I'm so used to uh, like <laughs> Node and the asynchronous re- um, feedback loop. Yep. Where like you know you get a request and it keeps on processing until it's ready, but like Python will wait until that process is done and then send it off. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. Node had it right all along, which is totally true. The, my counter argument to that, to balance it out, is that there are better ways of doing things, not using JavaScript. and Or more efficient. I think sometimes we think like, Node is fast. Yes. But not for everything. Like, even to your argument of Python, Python does a lot of great things. Yeah. It, it's a good language. Uh, there are lots of things. Like, Rust is coming up bigger. Go's still Go, around. Yeah. Go's doing pretty well. Um, yeah. there. You really have to understand, like, the needs. Like, if you have, like high computation that would benefit from threading like node is probably not the best way i know you can do like multiple node instances but it's not the same as like true multi-threading yeah 
like that's native to a language. Yeah. So no, I, I think that one's, yeah, it's hard to say overrated or underrated on that one, I think. Yeah, it's good. I think people will respect it now as a, as a real uh, platform. Yeah. Yeah. I won't say TypeScript or Flow, but I'll say typed JavaScript. Ooh. Um, depends when you ask me this, because I feel like it's overrated right now. And, and there's a reason why I'm going to say this is because I feel like all I'm hearing about is TypeScript and Flow, which is not a bad thing, but it's like TypeScript for one has been around for a long time. Like I feel like my first experience with it was like four or five years ago, maybe. And that was kind of new to me there. And so I think of it as more just like how much I'm hearing about it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there's a lot of good that comes along with the strictly type language is we're seeing that, you know, in the JavaScript community, we're seeing that like obviously in other languages, they've had that forever. And we're like, oh, wait, we could be adopting this. And so I do think that there is some really great things. Why I call it overrated is just because like, that's all everyone's talking about is like, <laughs> we should all jump on the TypeScript bandwagon. Yeah, that's where I'm going to put it as overrated. I'm a, I'm, I'm actually going to guess that you're going to go overrated on this one. Of course, one. I'm going to go overrated on it. I, And that largely comes from, again, a lot of new, newer people, newer to uh, the front end ecosystem. They're like, oh, TypeScript. Oh, wow. Type JavaScript. It solves all these problems. But a lot of them, and th this sounds like, like a slider diminutive, but like it's a lot of people that don't have or never got CS degrees or like formal training. That or didn't come from a typed language background, and I can tell you, type languages they suck sometimes. Uh, I mean, they add a lot of overhead. They too. add a lot of overhead, a lot of uh, mental complexity. They they do add a lot of safety and like uh, runtime checking or not runtime ahead of time checking and like things like that, which are awesome. However, you lose a lot of the flexibility that makes like JavaScript what it is. So. I only say overrated because people are like, oh, it solved all these problems when at the core, it didn't solve any problems. You weren't writing good code to start with and it just like ironed those out, which is good. Yeah. yeah. But like, I don't like people saying like, oh, we we uh, use TypeScript or Flow and we solved 80% of these bugs. I'm like, well, if you had solved 80% of these bugs, you had a problem that was not related to. It's not catching major bugs, but it's not gonna sh it's not gonna be shipping your feature bug free just because you added Flow or TypeScript. Yeah, and plus, uh, I've seen so many, so many help requests for like people that dug themselves into a hole with like defining these really complex types, and then they can't figure out their way out of it. I'm like, well, you built all this. <laughs> like, I don't know what you did with these types because you did some really complex structure. And then people are building structures on top of that. Then they build structures on top of that. And I've seen some like code that it's just like unreadable at this point. They're like, but it's so safe because it has all these checks in place. I'm like, yeah, but again, we don't write our websites in C because they'd probably be a lot faster, but it'd take forever to read and it'd take forever to write. And that being said, I think there is a place for typed JavaScript in yeah. our ecosystem. If I was defining, like, say, an API contract or something, oh man, that's actually a I would love to have a type because, like, yep. I, I like I would say, like, this is how it is. It's perfectly defined. Um, there are other parts of JavaScript that I don't think benefits from types. I think it adds overhead. So, yeah, I I'm in the middle, but overrated mostly because like it's getting a lot of hype right now, and I think I think in like five years there'll be like some. It won't be medium. It'll be like the next blogging platform, whatever it is, it'll be, uh, you know what? You can do all this stuff in JavaScript without types. And people are like, what? Yeah, My I, mind is blown. I'm like, we've been here before, guys. We, we've done this loop already. I feel like that's a thing. The pendulum goes really hard one way and it will come back a little bit. And so that's where I think we're on that like 
swinging really hard, going super strict, and then yeah, we'll 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 come back and figure that one out. Yeah. All right, I've got one for you. Let's talk about UX patterns a little bit. Parallax scrolling. Is that still a thing? I hope not. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to just throw it out there. It is overrated. I'm going to say neutral because I've seen really, really, really good examples of it. I, I think I can only ever think of one. So, please enlighten me that there is good examples of it. I forgot the website. And I like I will not be able to find it. But, like, he built parallax scrolling really well where he tied it to, like, a WebGL animation. So, when you scroll, it, like, built out this animation at the top and it moved and it... But like to be fair, this person's like at the one percent of engineers who can build complexity like that. But in general, I haven't seen anything using parallax scrolling in quite a while. There was the one coin uh, card like years ago. It was the I forget it's coin something. I can't remember the website, but it was taking credit cards and you could put all your credit cards into one essentially. Now a failed company. Yeah, I, I, should, yeah, I should it, note. it doesn't exist, but. Um, I do think that they're, the use of parallax scrolling, that is the one example where I was like, oh, they were demonstrating as you scrolled how it was like the four or five cards go to one, and then you can just kind of like swipe the one card. It was nice. It was just an easy way to show how this worked. But I think oftentimes we I've seen is sites that were just like adding parallax scrolling because it was like the cool thing to do. And it honestly distracted from what the point of the website was. Agreed. Uh Hamburger menus. Ugh, so I don't even know. Do I am I just choosing overrated because I don't like it? <laughs> um, everybody was like, we need the hamburger menu. And I think the problem with it was it's fine if people use them, but I think what I always experienced was it was a way to shove a bunch of more links in there instead of being thoughtful about what are the important links that our users need. Uh, sometimes like I'd even see it where, oh, well, we need to link to this area in our site because there's people working on it. So we need to give them love. I'm like, is that the best thing for our users? And like, it was just a way to like shove more links in. Uh, so I'm going to say underrated. Okay. I, I agree with your points. However, hamburger menus have like become so ubiquitous that people understand. Now, if you tap that, it doesn't matter how your site's laid out. If I see the hamburger menu left, right, bottom, it doesn't matter. I you know, know that, that can, you can go there. Yeah, it's become like a well-established pattern that like I see nothing wrong with it. I know some people are starting to move away with it, which it gets confusing because the web's always changing because sometimes it's uh, like swipe right from the left-hand side and like it'll open the side menu. Like Android uh, UI the f or Android OS, their UIs are very much like that, like swipe yep. from the left instead of the hamburger menus, which gets confusing because you're like, which what is the site implementing? What kind of menu system? Uh, I'll tell you an underrated design system or design pattern that I've seen is um, bottom menus now on mobile phones. Uh, there's a few. I'm using Brave browser now on my um, Pixel Three, and it has a it has a bottom menu for navigation, and it's so much better. It like it's one of those like why didn't anybody think of this before? People are holding left hand or right hand, but like your thumb can move down easier than can move up. So like putting all the stuff at the bottom of the screen on a mobile phone makes so much more sense. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Is it underrated? And I think also same thing goes with things like Instagram. I feel like certain ones like that where they're, all the menus are like lower at the bottom. And to me, that is exactly for mobile. It's like really thinking strategically for it in the sense that where's your thumb? It's holding it at the bottom and being able to click and interact right there. And so 
I guess that kind of also goes to my point with the hamburger menu is oftentimes it was thrown at the top. And I think that was another mm, reason yeah. why I never really liked it is when we're thinking about mobile a lot more, um, it, it's it's actually like the furthest you can reach is often where it is, is the top right or top left. And so that becomes actually even harder for people to navigate. So I'm with you on the underrated though on the bottom navigation. Since we kind of briefly just brought up mobile, mobile first. I feel like it's been around for years, but designing and developing for mobile first. Overrated, underrated? Underrated because we still don't do it right. Even in 2019, when the vast majority of people in the world are accessing the internet on a mobile phone, we're still not there. Too many apps will like cripple their mobile site to force you to download the app, which is fine for instances like, I'll say Netflix, where if you want to do video streaming, you need like, we need a, like a deeper level connection than you can do on, on a mobile phone. So like you download the app because like the performance will be so much better. But there are sites that like deliberately do not make a mobile site and like, or cripple it so that you're forced to download their app and they, for whatever reason, um, but I, I say underrated still. I think companies need to be thinking more strategically on the mobile front is thinking like people are using their mobile devices a lot more and it's becoming the primary device. If you were to choose one device and you could only, you know, especially if you're not working on your laptop, it's, are you choosing a tablet? Are you choosing a laptop? Are you choosing a phone? Well, most people have a phone and if you can only afford one, it's typically going to be the phone. And, and to me, that's the, the, where you should start is like, where's the majority of your people and your users is probably likely on the phone. And that may vary. That might be completely different. But I think for the majority of uh, use cases, probably phone. Definitely. VR, virtual reality. Completely overrated. There's some really cool stuff. I just feel like it, it's just one of those things that will come and go. Kind of reminds me of 3D TVs where I'm like, it was really cool. And then it just kind of fizzled out. Or I curved could, TVs. Curved TVs. That was another thing. Yeah, I kind of forgot all about that. And I just feel like VR has its use cases, but I'm just not convinced that it's like going to sustain. I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm overrated with the bias towards a bit more in the middle, but generally overrated. It got a lot of hype probably two, three years ago, but... I know there's like a diehard core of people that are like VR is so cool, but I haven't seen that the cases where it's like game changing. And yeah. I know Mozilla spent a long time working on like VR web and things like that. But again, I haven't seen anything come out of that arena that I'm like, wow, this is a, a great case for VR. The technology is cool. It absolutely is. It's more novel than anything. Like you play with it and you're like, wow, this is really cool. But do you own one? No. Do you think it's limiting? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are pretty good use cases. I If I had to bet, I'd bet AR, augmented reality, a bit more because that's... When you put on VR goggles, you're, you're just cut off from the world. But AR is like you're still in the world, but there's things you can interact with. I can... I see the case for that more so than I see the case for VR. That's a good one. You can go to like a... Let's go to more JavaScript thing. Ajax. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer for that. Like, it's... We need it. <laughs> so, yeah. it, it's like oxygen. Overrated, underrated. You're like, overrated... We don't even need it. Yeah, it's it's super necessary, so. Yeah, I'm going to say underrated because it's still great. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. It's a hard one to really put in, in either of those categories, though. Uh, WebAssembly. Ooh, that's, that's a tough one for me. I'm going to say underrated more in the sense that I feel like we should be seeing more with it, but we're not. Like, I feel like I've heard about WebAssembly for years now, but 
don't really see it used that much. And maybe I'm just living in a box, but I just don't see it as much. So that's where I'm going to put it as underrated. I'm going to say underrated as well. I I think the immediate applications are not that apparent yet, but it it will be the foundation of the future of the web for like really complex uh, things that traditionally we've had to offload to like desktop apps or even servers we can now do in WebAssembly exactly. in the browser. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say underrated as well. I think I, it like, cause it has a lot of potential, but it's just, it hasn't really picked up the steam it should. So underrated. I, I think it's, it's kind of up there with WebRTC things that um, they're really powerful, but we still haven't seen like the full, full, full implementation of it. That's a great example of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Template languages, your handlebars, mustache, jade, they don't really get used much anymore, but even in their time. Say probably overrated now. Now that we have template strings and template. Like template literals. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. and template functions, like we can do most of that. And most most of the big libraries and frameworks now like give you that ability pretty easily without too much work. So, so I think it hits that. You're right at this point in time, but I think they played a big part in getting us to where we are now. So it's hard to really define that, I think. It's okay. like it's like going to jQuery, man. Overrated or underrated? I still think jQuery is underrated. I do too. It's like it's amazing. It was it was game changing when it came out and it's still I know, like I think we've definitely made fun of it on this show oh, too, absolutely. but like there is a place for it if you need like this general library it's going to work uh, across browsers and like handle all the weird quirks jQuery is still a great I mean, I feel like it put JavaScript even like at a better forefront because of it. So, yeah. Yeah. This one's going to be tough for you. Silicon Valley. Overrated, underrated. Oh, man, that is a tough one. I feel like I need other options. Um, (laughs) I'm kind of middle ground here. I think it's, I really like it out here. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of opportunities. It's an amazing place to live, like for weather, for just like amazing things to see and do. The caliber of talent that's out here can be mixed, but there is a lot of really, really strong, talented people out here, built a life here. So it's like, you know, I've been here for a while. It's good. But I can guess where you're headed with this one, Jim. Yeah, like I can't not say overrated. I There are a lot of smart people here. Um, Like arguably, I mean, it's definitely the tech hub of the world. It's the vicious cycle of, VCs invest in startups. VCs are primarily out here, the big ones, or New York. So startups come out here to get VC money. They hire people who are talented and work at like big companies and have the experience. They're all here. So like you end up in the cycle of like people just stay here because the VC money's here, VCs here because the startups are here. And I don't know, like it just keeps propelling us up and out and we push out teachers and firefighters and like all these other people. I would love to see like a more diverse Silicon Valley where more more like New York where like there exists other industries other than tech. It's not Silicon Valley's fault per se, but I don't know. I don't know where we're going to end up in 10 years because like, you know, you have people making $150,000 that can't afford a house and won't be able to afford a house for 20 years. Like, I don't know. What kind of world have we built where that's the case? It's hard for me to be, say like, oh, it's the most amazing place because there's also some of these things that it's it's just a different world. Yeah. All right, but I like that you put that one out there. And <laughs> a, a, I know it's a it tough was a one tough one. All right, I got one for you. Electron. Ooh. I mean, even if you haven't built anything in it, I mean, it, it's a wrapper to now allow you to write a application on the desktop with just writing JavaScript. I'm going to say overrated mainly. I think you know why. 
because Slack, apologies to Slack, we use it for um, lots of things. And we know some good people that work there. However, I think if you're going to IPO as like a multi-billion dollar company, build a native app, man. For the love of goodness, like build a native app. Like stop wrapping WebViews and, and Electron and calling it a day. It's just, it's not going to be as performant as writing um, Objective-C or C-sharp or like a native native code. And I think Electron works as like a good MVP or if you're building a prototype or you're trying to scale up, it's, it's great for that. However, it's not the end all like you, you end up investing so much time in like making Electron more performant when you probably should have just started with a native app. You should have just paid that cost. I, I'd probably go with to put it in the bucket of overrated. I think to your point, starting with it is amazing. Being able to just allow someone to build something prototype or maybe you just need a small application on desktop and you don't want to invest a lot of the effort to make a full native application on Windows and on Mac. Okay, well, now we're writing two different languages. So it, it kind of gets that cross-platform, but that's a solution for a short term, or maybe that is a solution for years, but I think at scale to the performance side, it becomes a very hard thing to support when you're a large company. So I, I think it's like, but I, I go with it, it's overrated, but I also think it's a it's a great tool. It just depends. You have to ask where is the right time to use it. Yeah, it's similar to the, like the debates we've had about writing native apps versus WebView apps. Or uh, versus yeah. React Native, and like the, it definitely fits in that bucket. Yeah, so. it works in the beginning, but it doesn't necessarily scale out. And I've definitely had plenty of performance issues now with Electron apps like a Slack, which they can eat up a lot of resources really, really quickly because yep. like, it just wasn't built for a lot of the use cases. All right. Before uh, we get into picks, one last one. All right. Let's 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 end uh, MPM. Ooh. Overrated, underrated? That's a good one. Underrated. Underrated because whenever something goes wrong, like someone deletes uh, a critical package or someone gets a hold of a repo of a really popular package and like inserts malicious code, and like everything goes down or it's like, you know, the web freaks out. We see how dependent we are on this like infrastructure that NPM is like really pushed ahead. And we see like almost every company, web company is dependent on NPM. And yeah, underrated. I, I don't think uh, NPM and Lori get enough love like for all the work they've done for like the entire community. Imagine our lives without NPM. I think back to the days of copying and pasting code. <laughs> like that, that to me... It happened. It happened lots. And NPM was a big thing that just allows us not to have to do that is like, hey, I want to build something that's more modular. Well, yeah, you can just NPM install that and start using that. I think that to me, super underrated. And they do it for free. That is true it too. Costs, like if I want to make a new package tomorrow, it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to the open source. It's just like anyone can write a package. You can write something very small, something very large. doesn't matter. You can use other packages in your package. It's like very accessible too to everyone. I think that is a nice thing too. Yeah, and they've never been greedy about it, about like, you've reached your limit on this. We're going to cut you off or try to sell you on other things. No, I, I respect NPM as a company. Yeah, for sure. That's a good one to end on. All right, well, let's do our picks for this episode. Jem, what do you have? Uh, I only have one pick today. I, I'm going to pick the Netflix show Losers. Initially, I... I was not going to watch it. I'm like, ah, it's boring. Uh, like, I don't care about people losing or that's depressing or something like that. I want to be like uplifting. And it's a documentary too, right? Yeah, it's it's a sh series, but it's a it's like every uh, episode's like its own uh, encapsulated 
documentary about nice. a certain sport or individual. Uh, I got I started with the one on you're gonna love this the curling one <laughs> nice. about how um, like the game of curling has changed in the past twenty years because this uh, team of people they're in the the finals and they lost and they're like how could we lose and he, he like he went back and he really really thought about it and he like made curling into a professional sport where like you're more tactical you have people that are better at this better at that and like completely changed the game all because they lost and then. Um, it's really a story about like how people lost and then some big event and you think that's the end of the story because we only care about the winners. Like, right. tell me who lost the presidential race or tell me who lo- who came in second place at the Olympics. Like, no one knows. And that the person who won isn't thinking about how they could have done it better. Maybe, but like, no, they've they've done it. And, yeah. And, but that loser part, what did we do wrong and what can we do better the next time? Exactly. And like every time these people lost, like people consider that the end, but they they managed to take that learn something and then like completely change their life in a way that they couldn't have had they won so it, it's a pretty good documentary series that's awesome i haven't watched it yet i'm uh, you've convinced me i need to all right i have two picks i'm gonna start with one that's a little more local to san francisco but my favorite coffee shop is martha and bros coffee there's a couple in the city but i always go to the one in bernal heights and like i just love their coffee i'm like kind of dependent on it now it's really good and so you should get sponsored (laughs) even when i find when i'm traveling i'm like oh i miss my coffee and so yeah if you're in san francisco check them out and then i have a hbo original series season three of true detective it was such a cool story definitely highly recommend it and it's cool too is you don't have to watch every season they're crime stories but they run independent of each other so if you didn't watch one or two you can just go watch three all three of them are good though wait you thought the second season was good be honest honest. second season wasn't as good the first season was really good good. yeah and second wasn't as good one and three are really good yeah so all right right. right. so don't get discouraged if you didn't like season two season three is very good (laughs) gem uh where can people get in touch with you uh i'm on twitter at gem young And I'm on Twitter at Burgess D. Ryan. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Subscribe to Front End Happy Hour podcast on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. And follow us on Twitter at Front End HH. Any last words, Jim? Captain Marvel, the movie, overrated.